it's easy to get caught up in all that's going on around us. But uh, we have such a God. I, 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 you know, I was sort of preaching to myself a little bit this week. Why should I worry? Why should I be afraid? I know who my God is. I know what he is capable of doing. And, and I am so thankful today to God. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Um, if you have your Bible, turn it to Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to start reading for you at verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. May God's blessings rest upon the reading of his word. Father God, I give thanks this morning for the word of God. I give thanks this morning for the one who inspired this word. I give thanks this morning for the one who embodied this word. I give thanks today, Lord, for its preservation, for its translation, that we might read it and understand it in our very own language. What a gift the Word of God is to us. And I pray this morning for an anointing from heaven. May the Spirit of the one who preserved this Word help this minister today. Let that anointing flow freely and clearly. Let every word be directed by your spirit. Let every heart and mind be open and prepared to receive it. Let your word take root. Let it bear fruit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sometimes it's hard to know where to begin. But last week we were just had the great opportunity, the great privilege, and the great uh, joy to once again come together as the body of Christ and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He lives is the message, and he lives is still the message. And I am so grateful and thankful today that I serve a risen Savior, a living God. But as I was thinking this week, you know, that, that season seems to come and go so quickly. And it seems like we just don't have enough time within the space of just a couple of days as we move so quickly from the crucifixion 
and all that it represents through the resurrection and all that is there for us. And, and for me, I just wanted to take a little bit time. And, and even though we know that the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ are two separate events, we must also understand that each is meaningless without the other. We need both the cross and the empty tomb. They are the north and south poles of our, of our salvation. They are the alpha and the omega of our redemption. They are two parts of a whole that gives hope to everyone who believes and receives the gospel. And that's the operative word this morning, Christian, is hope. Paul writes here that we should not be moved away from our hope. We should not allow circumstances or events, relationships, or any other set of circumstances to take away or take us away from the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You hear so much today that's going on, and obviously we we're trusting God. We're believing God. We're, I think we're starting to see uh, a little bit of light here at the end of this tunnel. Hopefully within a week or, or two, we will be able to come back together in person. Uh, but we also understand that this situation is going to probably be with us for uh, quite some time. And, and things aren't just going to be business as usual. And for some people, this is alarming. This is concerning. People are concerned, uh, as always, about their finances. People are concerned about how, how, uh, how exposed or how vulnerable they might become if, if things start to go back to the way that they were. And, and it's very easy to be uh, to be disquieted. And when we look at the world, we see a world that, that really uh, doesn't have a lot of hope. I was listening to one governor and, uh, you know, he's kind of been, I'm not, you know, he's kind of been the, uh, the voice of doom and the voice of gloom from, from the beginning of this whole situation. But it just, it just struck me at how hopeless some people uh, believe things to be at the moment. And, and I know that that's not you and that's not me and that's not us. And we have got to get the message out there. There is hope. Hope is still alive. Hope is real in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of the cross, because of the resurrection, we have uh, a hope in Christ that not only will sustain us through any circumstance, including the present one, but that can uh, ease the burden and ease the hearts and minds of those even today who are in despair. So the gospel is the good news of what God has done in exalting Jesus Christ to be the Savior and Lord of the world. What is the hope of the gospel? What is the hope that we put all of our trust in? It is that God has exalted Jesus Christ to be our Savior and our Lord. 
You know, political seasons come and go, administrations change. Uh, one, you know, everyone that comes into office, you know, seems to have a a a a plan or or a promise that everything's going to be better once they're in charge. And uh, and, and a lot of times, uh, sometimes they just they just make things worse. We we've been fooled. We've been fooled by presidents. We've been fooled by governors. We've been fooled by leaders. Many. Many times over, uh, they they on the campaign trail, boy, they make it sound so good. Uh, you know, put me in charge, and and then every, everybody will get everything they've ever wanted out of life. And of course, when when it comes time to fulfill those promises, when it comes time to to make good on them, uh, one excuse after another, blame uh, after another. And we always kind of seem to end up right back where we started. But that's, you know, that's the way of the world, and, and that's the way it's always been. It wasn't any different in Paul's time when he was writing these words. He, you know, the, at, at the time he's writing these words, I'm sure everybody thought, well, when this, when this Nero guy gets in charge, everything's going to be good then. But, you know, the hope that we have, church, is not that this president or this leader or this governor is, is, is going to make things better. We know the one who is going to make everything right, who's going to bring justice and peace to this world. And his name is Jesus Christ. And guess what? He doesn't have to be elected. He, he doesn't have to be voted on. He's already in charge because God has exalted him. God has raised him from the dead. Being fully satisfied with his death, he has raised him onto a position of power and authority in heaven and in earth. All authority in heaven and in earth. And that is the foundation of our hope. The good news is that God has exalted Jesus Christ and he is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. And when we proclaim this gospel, we are proclaiming the wisdom and wonder of God's redeeming grace to those who are desperate for something to hope for. Think about the condition of people today. I, I, I was talking with someone, one of my employees last week, and, and they were just uh, expressing their, their, their deep concern about, uh, about how everything was going to happen. And I, you know, and I, I just had to for a moment, I just had to look at him and say, you know, it's going to be okay. You don't have to be uh, in despair. God's going to take care of his people. God's going to take care of all of us. And when we proclaim this gospel, what an opportunity we have right now to proclaim the wisdom and wonder of God's redeeming grace. The good news that the creator has come to save his creation from ruin that God has stepped into history in the person of Jesus Christ and begun renewing the world from the inside out, beginning with his most significant creation, humanity, mankind. Our redemption, church, our redemption is the hope of the world. And the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus is the foundation of that hope. We have 
We have a message that's worth hearing. We have a message that's worth sharing. Never be ashamed and never be intimidated because what you are bringing to this world is good news. That is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. If we go back a little bit in Paul's writing here to verses 3 through 8, we see that Paul celebrates this hope. The hope, he says, which is laid up for us in heaven. A hope that is secured by our faith in Christ Jesus. A hope which is shared in our love for all the saints. A hope which is based upon the truth of the gospel and has been declared to us by those faithful ministers of Christ. I'm thinking about that this morning. This hope is useless if no one tells us about it. If, there's, if, if you have the answer but you don't share it, there can be no hope. First, let's look at the location of our hope. Notice it is not on earth. It is in heaven. One day we're going to learn, church. I don't know if, if we haven't learned this lesson now. Hopefully we will learn it soon. That our hope is not in anything that this world or its powers can offer to us. Our hope is laid up in heaven. It is in the kingdom of God that will overcome and renew this world. Our hope is not in this world's economy or this world's politics or its authorities or its social groupings. We know that these things cannot save us. They are powerless against the tide of evil. We've seen that. No matter who we vote for, no matter how much money we have, no matter what goes, how great the economy becomes, the tide of evil continues to rise. And even these instruments themselves, they are corrupt. They are corrupt in themselves, and they corrupt everything that they touch. It doesn't matter what the intentions are. All of these things that we are, uh, people are putting their hope in today are corrupt and will ultimately corrupt all those that trust in them. If our hope is not in this world, where is it? Where is it? It is in heaven. Let's look at the source of our hope, according to Paul. He says it's the word of the truth of the gospel. Ours is a message of redeeming grace, of a God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's no other message like it. There's no other so-called religion that can offer this hope. This hope is exclusive to the gospel. I know to the world it seems like foolishness. To some it's considered offensive. But to us it is the power of God unto salvation. Don't worry about offending. Don't worry about looking foolish in the eyes of some. I know we all have, you know, that little, that little fear of, of what people think about us or we, we, we don't want to be in, in, you know, in a certain, in a certain light. We want to, you know, we want people to think of us in a certain way. There's no way to reconcile the message of the gospel to people's expectations, church. 
We have to be prepared to look foolish. We have to be prepared to give offense. It is the nature of this message. There's nothing like it. Every other religious message can be accommodated by the world. The world will open its arms. They will embrace any message that the, that, 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 that's generated out of, um, out of man's knowledge or man's philosophy. But the re- revelation of God is against all the philosophies of man. And we know this. We know that the cross is foolishness. We know that it's a stumbling block to those who do not believe. But as each one, I pray on this call today, can testify, it is the power of God unto salvation. By this message, when you first heard it, did it not burn in your heart? Did your, not, did your soul not come alive? Did you not begin to, 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 to feel a transforming grace in your life? And I'm here to tell you today, that message is still powerful. It was powerful enough to save me, and it's powerful enough to save you, and it's powerful enough to save all who believe. The death and resurrection of God's Son is the turning point of history, and it is the turning point in our story. The fruit of this hope is transformed lives, changed cultures, justice for the poor, healing for the sick, peace for the tormented, joy for the brokenhearted, love for the lonely, and reconciliation for all who are at enmity. What message we have to give, church? We have to give a message of hope that comes from above, that's above all of the petty uh, cultural and, and racial and, and religious and political differences on this earth. It's a hope for everyone, whoever or wherever they may be. We also see in verses 9 through 14 that Paul encourages us to pursue this hope with all our might. We are to seek to be filled with the knowledge of the will and wisdom of Christ. Why? So we can walk worthy of his lordship in our life and so that he will be pleased by our testimony. How? by being fruitful in good works, which increase the knowledge of God within and without the church. This results in our strength and becoming stronger so that we can endure our trials patiently and joyfully, not in bitterness or complaint, but giving thanks that each trial is an opportunity to add to our inheritance among the saints an inheritance secured by our deliverance from the power of darkness and our conveyance into the kingdom of the Son of His love, by whose blood we have been redeemed and our sins forgiven. What kind of message compares with that one, church? What kind of hope could you find in any other message? We see all the the fruit of all of these other so-called messages of hope. We see what becomes of those 
who subscribe, how the, how the, 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 the corruption and the decay of not only the personal moral, but of the societies in which these philosophies are embraced. We cannot get caught up in that. Even though it is a trial, even though it is a tribulation, God will strengthen us by his glorious power that we can endure it patiently and joyfully, knowing that it is because of this hope that we are suffering and being thankful that our suffering qualifies us for a reward in heaven. Think about that. The forgiveness of our sins breaks the hold of the power of darkness and redeems us and brings us into the kingdom of Christ. This passage gives form and substance to our hope. It is the testimony of everyone who has this hope within them. If you have this hope within you, if he is your hope, then we will want to know more about him. We will want to do more for him. We will want to share more with others about him. We will want to offer more worship to him. We will want to spend more time with him. If he is our hope, then it is our privilege to share in his humiliation that we might also share in his glory. If we want the power of his resurrection, then we must partake in the fellowship of his suffering. I know that's not always a message that's easy to hear or understand, but our hope is not based on our present circumstance. Yes, it's true. Things may be difficult in the moment. I will not deny that. They were been difficult for all the followers of Christ throughout history. This is not the first plague, the first pandemic the church has ever experienced. We have been dealing with this generation after generation after generation. We have been dealing with the enmity of the world, with the, with the corrupting influence of power, with the, with the seduction of wealth and, 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 and glory and, and everything that the world has offered us. But each time we have returned to our hope in Jesus Christ, we have overcome. It's not about the circumstance we're in today. It's about what Jesus Christ did on Calvary and how God validated his sacrifice by raising him from the dead. Because he lives, these present circumstances are not only bearable, but they are a cause for giving thanks unto God. They are a cause for celebration that we have been counted worthy to share in the sufferings of the Son of God, knowing that it is His suffering that delivers us from the powers of darkness. What a privilege, what a hope that we have that cannot be compared to with anything that any other can offer. Just think that through for a moment. Let that rest in your spirit for just a moment. Circumstances change. We're up one moment. We're down the next. A few uh, days ago, a week ago, uh, 
people were concerned about, you know, how's the mortgage going to get paid? And, and then this week, you know, uh, the government send, sends everybody a check. And now all of a sudden we're back up. How, how, how temporary these things are and how permanent, how permanent what Christ has done is. Think about that. The permanence, the work of Christ is not merely a, a, a momentary thing. It's not something that just happened and then life moved on. But it is firmly rooted and established in history. And it continues to this day to inspire the hope of God's people. Our deliverance from the power of darkness is certain. No matter how dark it seems to get, no matter how overwhelmed we seem to become, no matter how much it seems like things are just going in the wrong direction, we have this sure word of hope that because of Christ's death and his resurrection, we are delivered. Our sins are forgiven and we have been conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of his love. This is, this is so real to me in this moment right now. I don't know if you're feeling it. It's hard. To, and, uh, yeah, we're doing this this way. It's, it's difficult to really uh, experience this communally or together. But I hope and pray right now where you are. I, I, as a matter of fact, right now, just take, just take 10 seconds and give thanks to God right now for what he has done for you through Jesus Christ. Oh, God, I thank you. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done. I could not have done it for myself. No one could have done it for me except your son, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the living God. In verses 15 through 20, we read a portion of that, but we'll go back. Paul wants us to understand that the foundation of our hope is not, as so many of the hope of those in the world today, in transitory or temporary circumstances. He begins with that great hymn of Christ, that great Christ hymn, which, uh, which, which affirms and celebrates his deity and his divinity. He is the image of the invisible God. What a powerful, we talked about this. I'm not going to go back through the Bible study. You'll be able to hear it if you missed it on, on our website. But boy, we, we talked about what it meant for, a, for one of those icons, one of those images in the temple to come to life, to take form, to take substance, to embody the fullness of God. It is Secure. Our hope is secure because it was God who came and secured it in the person of Jesus Christ. And here we see that his creative work, all of the things in heaven and all of the things on earth, visible and invisible, are under his authority. We can have hope in Christ today because he is the highest power and authority in creation. You say, Pastor, 
If he is, then why this sickness? Why this disease? Why are these things happening? And we understand that it can be hard sometimes to see the authority of Christ, to see that power in, 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 in the circumstances that we are experiencing. But let me, let me give you this comfort, friend. The things that are happening to us, and the things that are happening in our world, though they seem, though they appear to, to be something that uh, would not be from God or of Christ, know this, nothing catches God by surprise. Nothing happens that Christ does not provide remedy and relief and reconciliation from. Yes, it's true. All of creation is groaning under the burden of man's sin. And our corruption has infected the world around us. And, and our corruption has, has caused some, certain things to happen even on a microscopic level so that even the, the viruses and the germs and the bacterias have become our enemies. But know this, know this. Our God reigns supreme. He reigns in power and in glory. And Christ Jesus has authority over every creature and all of creation from the largest to the microscopically smallest. And at his word and at his promise, at his power, they are subject. So understand this, my friends. Understand this. There is no power greater than Christ. He does allow suffering. This is true. He allows death. He allows these things uh, to continue to happen in our world in hopes, in the hope that men will turn from their wicked ways, in the hope uh, that they will stop uh, putting uh, the idols of this world before God, in the hope uh, that man will realize how fragile and how temporary the breath of this life is, and by doing so will turn to the one who died for them and the one who lives for them. It's a temporary circumstance is what I'm saying to you, church. It has come and it will pass. But we must not miss the opportunity to remind ourselves that just when we think, uh, you know, it, it's a reminder to me. And, and listen, I want to I join the voices of those <coughs> who, 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 who voice their appreciation, their gratitude for our, our medical communities, and all those who are working and laboring to, to minister to the sick, listen, that, that is God's work. Jesus said, uh, uh, told us that, if we, if we, that ministry to the sick was, a, was, was one of the things that, uh, that was a, a proof or a testimony of, of, of the lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. And, and I want to join with those that, that, that express their appreciation, their gratitude, for those who are helping those who are sick and, and those who are suffering. But this is once again a reminder that the height of our medicine, the height of our knowledge, the, 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 collected, the collective wisdom of the entire world's medical community is at the mercy of a microscopically small virus. Uh, there are things that we can uh, do to, to remediate and to and to help, but we must not elevate our knowledge and puff it up and think that because we know so much or we've accomplished so much that we don't need to rely on the mercy and grace of God. There's a reminder here for us, church, that sickness 
and sin and suffering are not resolvable, are not conquerable, cannot be eradicated by the knowledge of man or by the efforts of of society. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. He is the only one, the only one who can permanently and eternally rescue us from the bodies of death. He's the only one who can permanently and eternally not just redeem our souls, but resurrect this flesh and glorify it at his appearing. He is our hope. He's not only our hope in the created order, he is our hope in the redemptive order. He says in verse 18 that he is the head of the body, the church, the beginning and firstborn from the dead. Notice here, in the previous verse, he was talking, or in the previous passage about his blood, he was talking about the cross. But notice here, he says, our redemption was not complete until he rose from the dead, until he became the first to pass through death come out the other side alive forevermore. This is the connection that we must make, not just during the Easter season, but throughout the year. The cross and the empty tomb, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus are essential, not just to our salvation, but to the salvation of the world itself. Because he rose from the dead, we can have hope not just in this life, but in the life to come. What a, a, what a terrible uh, a burden it would be. Paul says to the Corinthians, if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men the most miserable, the most to be pitied. The, we are the ones to be, uh, to, to, to be felt sorry for. I feel sorry for those whose hope is only in this life. What good does it do to build these giant corporations only to see them torn apart by the, by the, the, the drop of, of, of a stock or the, or the interruption of a world economy? What good does it do to, to, to have these big homes and, and fancy uh, automobiles to see them just turn into dust and into rust. I'm not saying there's not some pleasure. Trust me. I know there's some pleasure in, in having certain things and making life a little bit more comfortable and convenient. But when you compare that to the hope of heaven, what is it really? For those who have put all their stock and all their hope and all their, their, their trust in the things of this world, we see and we see again, even now, just a, a, a month or two ago, uh, you know, we were enjoying the, the, the very best of economic prosperity in our country. The, 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 the provision was there, and, and it just appeared like there was just going to be uh, just a, a great boon and a great, uh, and a great prosperity. And now, in just a matter of weeks, just a matter of weeks, how quickly things turn. All those who put their hope, all those who put their trust in these things are going to be disappointed. I feel sorry for them because they have no real lasting 
power. They're temporary. They're, they're just things that come and go. We make the best of them as we go along. When things are good, uh, we eat good. When things are bad, you know, it's bread and water. But we get by. We get through it all. We get through it all because our hope is somewhere else. Our hope is somewhere else. And this is the message that Paul is giving here. He is the head of the church. He is the head of the redeemed, the head of the redemptive order, the head of the new man, the head of the new mankind. And he is the one who is preeminent in all things that deal with life and death. He has the preeminence. Paul's message is that we can hope in Christ and that hope is secured by his position over all of creation and his position over the church. Through creation, Christ will be one day be a judge. We know what will happen one day. I'm not saying that it's, 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 it's not right to do the best we can while we can. We ought to take, we ought to take as, much, as good a care of one another as we possibly can. We ought to take as good of care of God's good world as we can. We should not allow greed or lust or, or, or any of these things to, 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 to run rampant in our societies. We should help as many as we possibly can. We should provide as much uh, resource, as much uh, uh, food and water and, and medicine and energy and everything. We should do everything we can to make this world as much like the kingdom of God as possible. This is what God would have us do. He has created us to do good works. He has created us to be a light in the darkness. He has created us uh, to reach out to the hurting and the helpless uh, and give them a hand up, to, to elevate the poor and to minister to the sick and to bring justice where injustice reigns. But we must not forget, we must not forget that even in doing these things, our effect in the world itself is temporary. One day, creation shall be reconciled back to its creator in fire. One day, the heavens and the earth will melt with fervent heat. One day, all those who were mortal and all those in whom the breath of life was will turn to dust. One day, all of this will be over. There's very, there's, there's, there's very uh, a little uh, that, that we understand about how all that's going to work. We've got some guesses. We've got a few prophecies. But the, all we know really for certain is that, uh, that Christ is going to bring the entire world to its knees and, 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 and re- refurbish it and remodel it and renew it by fire. Oh, I, I, I don't know about you. I don't, I've, I've had enough of fire to last me a lifetime. I don't have any interest in that. But within that created order, look at the promise. Look at the promise Paul's making. Yes, to creation, it's going to be a painful and, 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 and violent and destructive reconciliation. But to the church, to those who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, and to those who have partaking in his new life, there is, is, is a promise of of deliverance and a promise of overcoming and a promise that we shall not be touched and shall not be hurt by that renewal. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
I'm going to take a, just a five-second praise break right here. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God that he has provided another way of reconciliation through Jesus Christ. My goodness. Thank God. Thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that brings us to the portion that we read to you at the beginning. I know we're taking a little long this morning, but I wanted you to get the whole picture so that you'll understand that when he speaks of being reconciled, all things to himself, things in heaven, are things on earth. He's done it through the blood of his cross. He has made peace for us through his crucifixion and has offered us life through his resurrection. And to whom has he offered it? Whom has he offered it? He has offered it to everyone. He has offered it to everyone. Those who are alienated and enemies in our minds, those who are caught up in wicked works, yet now, hallelujah, but now we have been brought near by the body of the flesh of Jesus Christ, and we who were once God's enemies, if you, help, if you hope in nothing else, if nothing else I've said today resonates, let this resonate You have peace with God through Jesus Christ. You right now stand holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When it comes time to reconcile back everything, you will be declared just and justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Your life is hid in him. Your future is his future. His glory is yours. This is the hope the gospel gives us. This is the hope we cannot be moved away from. What does he tell us here? He tells us continue in it steadfastly. What does that mean? It means no matter what, lay hold of the hope of Christ's cross and Christ's resurrection and don't move away from it for any reason, for anyone or anything. You may think that that is a unnecessary warning. You may say to me today, Pastor, of course we, we hold on to this hope. Well, of course we will not be moved away from it. But, but I notice I've been doing this a long time. I've been know how subtle the serpent is. I know how crafty that old snake is. I know how easy it is to get tempted away, to, to, to trade an eternal inheritance for a momentary pleasure or indulgence. It's easy. I've seen it happen so many times. Heaven seems so far from now. We think, and we think wrongly, that the cross and the resurrection is just something to give us comfort to, for that ultimate day when we die. I know a lot of people, people who identify themselves as Christians who think this way. Oh, that bit about the cross, that story of Jesus, that's just about what happens to you after you die. You don't have to worry too much about it till you get sick or till something happens. Oh, Christian. If you take that attitude, you will soon be moved away from the hope of the gospel. You will soon be distracted 
by whatever life throws at you today. Make no mistake about it. This isn't about someday. This is about this day. This is about walking in that hope and walking in that newness of life today, right now, where you are. It's about living like you're already there. It's about adopting the customs, the traditions, the language, and the, and, and, and the things of heaven while we're on earth. You say, what do you mean? I mean what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. He tells us there, why do we continue to mind the earthly things if we are raised with Christ? If we are raised with him, why do we continue to, to worry about this thing or that thing or occupy our time and our mind with the things of this life? Don't you understand that you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God? Don't you understand that where Christ is sitting at the right hand, you are now seated with him in the heavenly places? Don't you understand that when he appears, you will also appear with him in glory? These are the things that our hope should inspire in us to make sure we are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, to make sure that we continue steadfastly in the faith. We must take our eyes off of this world. We must look at all of the things that are around us, not to, uh, with a regard to the flesh, but with a regard to the impact of the kingdom of God. If we are to hold on to this hope for ourselves and be able to share it with others around us, we must be firmly rooted, firmly grounded, firmly established in the fact that this world and all that it is in it it's not where our hope lies. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I look forward to, to, to when this crisis pass. I look forward to, to going back to some of the, the things that we, we once did. I look forward to doing new things as this circumstance has changed a lot about the way that things will, move, will be moving forward. I am not saying that I am... I, I am utterly and completely independent of the things around me. But I know that my hope is in Christ. I know that my hope is in heaven. And I will not be fooled and I will not be misled. I will not be moved away from the hope of Christ. No matter what pronouncements get made, no matter what the daysayers say, no matter what they, they come out with and they say, well, this happens and that happens, and it's okay. Good news or bad news, I will rely on the good news of Jesus Christ. He is my hope. What he has done cannot be affected by a virus. It cannot be affected by an economy. It cannot be affected by losing a job. It cannot be affected by, by, by anything that happens in this world. What he has done stands outside of time. What he has done is eternal. His cross and his resurrection will see us through every potential situation and problem and circumstance that this life and any other life can throw at us. Oh, praise God. Oh, thank God. I have come to you today not down, not discouraged. My faith and my hope 
have never been more real to me and more alive in me. I know today my Savior lives, my Redeemer lives. I know today that his hope and his promise are sure and steadfast, and I can count on him. I know today that he will see me, he will lead me, he will guide me. I know that he is with me. I know that he is in me. I know that my life is in him, and he is my life. And I say to you today, I say to you today, church, don't be moved away. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up on this hope. Pray for the strength. Pray for the wisdom. Pray for the knowledge. Pray for the the hope to be kindled in your heart and in your life so that you can endure whatever comes. You say, Pastor, I don't like the way you say that. You say, I have to endure. That means things are going to get bad. No. No, honestly, to be honest with you, endurance is just as necessary in good times as it is in bad. For as many as are likely to be moved away by suffering, there are at least that many, if not more, that get moved away by prosperity. The suffering sometimes helps. It realigns our priorities. It gets us back where we should be with God. We are reminded that He is our source, that He is our supply, that He's the one who takes care of us. Yes, it's true. The suffering does affect some people, causes them to question, causes them to doubt, but the reality is that I'm more concerned about the state of the church when things do go back, if they go back to the way they were before. Let's not be mistaken about that. I know our little congregation here in Fort Lauderdale, we were loving Jesus and serving God and praying and worshiping, but I tell you, in truth, in truth, if we've got to be honest about it, let's, let's begin with the house of God. Our effects on the world around us were very minimal, very minimal. Our families were fractured. Our circumstances were such that, 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 that there were those who had been part of, who were raised up, who were taught, who were brought to the house of God, who had, who, who had been seduced by the world. I thank God. I, I, I honestly, I, I know this is going to sound strange. But I'm, a, I'm grateful for this, this divine interruption, this divine pause. I'm grateful because this is a reminder to, to the lost generation that this world is not what it appears to be. But I'm here to tell you, I'm, I, I have more concern, more concern about what happens if we go back to business as usual. If things get good again, once again, people will get distracted and things get prosperous, people begin to, to rely a little bit less. Oh, it's true. Sometimes, you know, there's a temporary benefit. The, the offering plate gets a little fuller. You know, a few, a few more bills get paid. But, but in the end, in the end, I think we have as much, there's as much danger, if not more, when things are well and when things are good and people are moved away from the gospel just by the, just by the, 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 the getting caught up in the, in, the, in the things of the world and the pleasures of this life. So my prayer today for us, church, and, and we're going to take communion in just a moment, but my prayer for us is that nothing, nothing, nothing good, nothing bad, nothing will move us away from the hope of the gospel. That when we suffer, we will do so with hope 
and trust in what Christ has done for us in the cross and in the resurrection. And then when we are blessed, when things are good, when things are prosperous, when things are successful, when things are happy, we will also, we will also give thanks. And we will also cling ever more tightly to the hope of the gospel, knowing how temporary, how temporary circumstances truly are. Praise God today. Praise God today. He's alive. He lives. And I am grateful and I am thankful, thankful for the hope that the gospel gives me and the hope that it gives the world. And I say again, we should not be ashamed, even though there are those who are going to mock, even those who are going to say, where is your God? Even though there are those who are going to say, well, when you know, I heard somebody the other day making fun of a Christian pastor who passed away after claiming healing, I tell you what, there's no fear. There's no fear of God. People are going to be judged by what comes out of their mouth. And yes, yes, they're going to be judged by what they type on their computers and on their phones. You're going to answer. You're going to answer. We're all going to answer. But praise God, my answer is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, and risen from the dead. The firstborn the head of this church, the head of this body, my Lord, my Savior. Thank God. He is my hope. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service by calling 701-801-6266 every Sunday at 1045 a.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org. God bless you. Until next time. This is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.